to find someone in the eye of the hurricane, facing horrors beyond logic and reason. Most of the time, it's a consequence of their own questionable actions and terrible mistakes. However, there are cases when this haunting fate falls upon completely innocent people who did nothing but set foot in the wrong place at the wrong times. Sometimes, the terrors that defy life and death are consequences of errors and crimes of people long gone. There's no one left behind to pay the price for the sins attached to a place. As a result, any vulnerable witness could fall prey to the darkest energies, and most heinous powers can be found still attached to a piece of land. In this case, the unfortunate witnesses were the Bilstein's family. The small group was composed of Todd and Sheree Bilstein, a hard-working man in the area of construction, and his loving wife who, along with their two daughters, Andy and Bree, followed him and his job around the country, accompanied by their two dogs, Itchy and Bagel. Although at first sight they seemed like a perfectly charming family, they carried their own baggage. Todd's job had the family constantly moving around between cities and states like modern-day nomads. They never stayed long enough in a place for it to feel like a home. They stayed in all kinds of houses, apartments, cabins, trailers, rooms, and even a memorable tent. It was a harsh lifestyle for the young girls who struggled to keep friends, let alone make new ones. However, before they could cultivate any serious resentment towards their parents, Something changed. It seemed like the Bilsteins had finally found a home. In 2003, Todd drove his family to Abilene, Texas, to a small ranch with a substantial plot around it. Lots of green space and room to grow. The daughters were nervous, hesitant to settle in to somewhere so isolated, so far away from any town and any neighbours. They felt so vulnerable. Their parents, however, seemed in love with the property. This is it, Cherie told her husband. And he agreed. It seemed like the right place to buy furniture, to make long-term plans, to call home. The first step, of course, was making the house fit for their family. To be blunt, the place was a disaster when they first stepped inside. It looked like it had been abandoned for many years. Cobwebs and heavy layers of dust greeted them. The doors groaned and the floorboards creaked. It wasn't a welcome place. They would have been smart to immediately turn around and never return. However, they were stubborn. They had paid for it and they were determined to turn that ranch into their home. The family set out to clean and remodel the house, expecting spiders and rats as the worst possible thing they could have to face in the process. They couldn't have expected the challenges and threats lurking in the corners of their new house. But they soon got their first hint. It happened as they worked on taking the old, stained, ragged carpets off the floor. As they rolled the heavy layer off the floor, they found a sight that first confused them and then turned their blood to ice. Right there in the middle of their living room, 
There were dozens, if not hundreds, of little drawings made on the wooden floors. There were ancient marks that depicted human figures, animals of all kinds, horses, eagles, and shockingly graphic wolves in action. The girls spoke of hieroglyphs. Their mother complained about having to paint over them, and their father reassured them it was nothing to worry about. At least, not yet. After a lifetime of travelling around without making long-lasting friendships, the Bilstein girls were used to each other's company and the loyal friendship of their dogs, which they loved and spoiled like part of the family. They had brought with them an agility course for the dogs that they set out in the yard of the house and spent endless afternoons playing with them. There was no reason to expect something truly macabre to interrupt their activities. But then, one day, early on after moving into the ranch, their games were interrupted by Itchy. The dog had found something that got his attention on the ground by some bushes. The girls rushed over to see what it was about. There was a moment of confusion, swiftly followed by an ear-piercing scream. Cherie heard her daughters yell and call for her, and she ran to the yard, where she found something she could never forget. She stood there and saw her precious daughters holding onto a piece of a human skull. It was horrifying. It looked old and dirty, but frighteningly real. Cherie knew what a human jaw looked like, but she scrambled for lies in hopes of making her daughters begrudgingly believe the bone could belong to a raccoon. She didn't want to scare the girls, but personally, she was starting to feel quite unsettled. The next couple of weeks passed without any new developments. Unfortunately, it seemed it was only fate could hit that family harder than ever before. One terrible night, the family's dinner was interrupted by a call. When Todd got to the phone, it was obvious he was receiving distressing news. Effectively, he had just found out that after a series of visits to the doctors, his mother was diagnosed with advanced stage 4 lung cancer. The doctors estimated a few months left for her to live at most. It was devastating, and everyone took it hard. Todd took the initiative of inviting his mother to move in with them, so she could live her last months in a peaceful and beautiful place. At least, that was what he used to think about the ranch. Everything started out well. Gay Bilstein was a sweet old lady. She brought with her a framed painting of an elk, her most prized possession, which the family hung right by the dining table. The elderly woman was stubborn, though, and continued smoking out on the porch despite her illness. I would rather die than quit, she used to say. She sat there, smoking and humming her favourite old folk song about yellow roses in Texas. Everyone thought that would be her exact behaviour until the day she died. But, after a few days... Ominous changes started to take over Gay's life. Cherie was the first one to notice. She overheard her mother-in-law talking in her bedroom. She assumed she was on the phone. 
But when the conversation turned tense and agitated, Cherie decided to check in with Gay. She was shocked to her core to find out that the woman was completely and entirely alone in her bedroom. But then who was she talking to? Who was Mr. Warren? And why was she arguing with him? When Cherie presented her with these questions, and Gay merely said Mr. Warren was her friend, Cherie brushed it off as another symptom of her unfortunate illness. It wouldn't take long for her to reconsider. One evening, while Todd and the girls were out for the night, when Gay was already in bed, Cherie went to take a shower before going to bed as well. The problem was that, in the middle of the shower, she caught the foggy reflection of somebody in the mirror. She didn't worry, although perhaps she should have. She merely assumed her husband was back early. Todd, can you please hand me the towel? She asked, perfectly calm. But she didn't receive an answer. She stopped her actions and focused on the silhouette she could see through the shower door. It had moved closer to her. Todd? Todd, honey, is that you? She called, and again, she was met with deadly silence. Finally, her heartbeat started to pick up. She started breathing faster. She started fearing the worst. What if the man standing just a couple of feet away wasn't a husband at all? With a lump in her throat, Cherie slid open the shower door, and the result was somehow as terrible as if she had found a creepy stranger. There was absolutely nobody there in the bathroom with her. Terribly unsettled, Cherie got out of the shower and into a bathrobe. Then she was interrupted again. The bathroom sink was turned on, violently so, spraying a strong burst of water. She rushed to close it, but then she had no option but to wonder what on earth was happening in her house. It wasn't even the end of it. She could still hear water running, somehow. This inspired her to walk out of her bedroom, down the hallway, and carefully down the stairs. There it was again. The kitchen sink was on full blast. And it wasn't the end. As soon as she turned off the sink, she was startled by a new, more violent sound. It was the television in the living room. It burst to life without prompt or reason. Horses, cowboys and Native Americans from classic movie, yelling at her through the screen. She ran to the living room, feeling like someone or something was leading her from room to room. But she had no idea what she was meant to find. All she knew was that the house was coming alive with her still inside, and there was something terribly wrong within those walls. Life at the Bilstein Ranch only got worse and worse. Cherie continued overhearing increasingly unsettling conversations between her mother-in-law and this mysterious Mr. Warren. I don't like it, and I will not allow it. No, I'm not going anywhere. Gay Bilstein used to say. Cherie couldn't figure out who this hypothetical person was. 
And what could he possibly be asking her that she didn't want to do? When she tried to approach Gay about him, she just stood up, walked past her, and went to bed. Even Gay Bilstein's personality was affected. She became irritable, impatient, and sullen. One day, when her granddaughters approached her just to show her one of the dogs doing a new trick, the old woman snapped at them. Why don't you listen to me? I don't want to see it, she yelled. And it was more like a growl, something no one had ever heard from her before. This was only worsened when she kept talking, now in her regular voice, but transformed by a tone of utter terror, saying, Mr. Warren, don't you touch me. Get away from me. The incident left a mark on the Bilstein family. Not too long later, they had to admit that they couldn't keep taking care of Gay, seeing that she needed special care. But shortly after she left their house, tragedy struck. Todd was gardening while Cherie looked out the window. At the exact moment when Cherie noticed a completely incongruous red rose blooming from the yellow rose bush, something that should have been impossible, Todd got a phone call. His mother had sadly passed away. The news was heartbreaking, but the consequences were unexpected and terrifying. The very same day the Bilstein family reunited for dinner, quiet and grieving, but they were aggressively pulled out of their thoughts. Do you smell that? the youngest of the girls asked. Effectively, every member of her family smelled it too. It was the scent of cigarettes, or so they thought. But they didn't have time to feel comforted thinking their grandmother was still there with them. Instead, they were profoundly scared by discovering a small but growing cloud of grey smoke over their heads. It was unexplainable, and before they could even get away from it, a loud and violent noise startled them. It was the elk painting that Gay had brought to the house. The glass had shattered into a million pieces, and the frame fell from the wall. Gay's prized object just exploded on her family the day she died. This couldn't have been a coincidence. Soon, the Bilstein family discovered they had much bigger problems than the possibility of their grandmother's spirit possibly lingering around them. One of the first significant discoveries came from one of the daughters, who thought she heard a strange noise coming from the garage of the house and went to investigate. The lights didn't work, though, and the eerie atmosphere immediately made her feel like, even though she was at home, she was stepping somewhere forbidden. A small search around the garage didn't reveal anything to explain the odd noises she heard. Instead, she found tangible proof of something much worse. There were long scratches on the walls of the garage, claw marks much bigger than her hand, and that reached far higher than the top of her head. Those dimensions didn't match a human or any domestic animal. After she called her father, 
He was quick to reassure her it must have been a big dog that broke into the house before they moved in. Nothing to worry about. And she wanted to believe her father, so she dropped the conversation. But she didn't forget the feeling of violence that emanated from those scratches. That wasn't the last time the garage gave the family some trouble. On a different day, while working around the house, while their daughters did their homework on the dining table, Cherie stepped into the garage to organize some boxes. She was startled when she heard the door slam shut behind her. She assumed it was just a draft. When she tried to open the door and found it locked, even though it shouldn't be, she started to worry. There was nothing compared to what she felt as soon as she started hearing weird noises behind her. There was something or someone there with her. Cherie could hear breathing, scratching, objects moving behind her. She started knocking on the door and frantically calling her daughters. They weren't so far away. She could see them from the small window on the door. They had to hear her. They had to. But there was nothing. The noises increased. Cherie's heartbeat picked up. Her daughters couldn't hear her. She started screaming. Something heavier and louder moved. But before Sherry dared to turn around and face it, a vase was thrown across the room toward her. Luckily, it hit the wall right beside her head. But it scared her worse than anything else in her life. When, finally, her daughters saw her panicked face on the door's window, they opened the unlocked door without issue. They hadn't heard a single thing. Tensions were running high in the Bilstein Ranch. The incidents were accumulating and taking a toll on the mood of the family. One night, the girls were away, hanging out at a new friend's house. Cherie took the opportunity to get some painting done. As she worked, she looked out the window and watched her husband walk toward the barn. But, just a few seconds later, she heard Todd calling her from inside the house. It instantly worried her. If Todd was inside her house, then it meant that there was undoubtedly someone else in their barn. She insisted Todd go and check out the barn, which he did, equipped with a flashlight and a baseball bat for protection. Todd was taking too long, though, and Cherie's nerves were faring badly. She waited anxiously until she saw her husband walk from the barn. No one was there, only the dogs acting weird. Todd called out as soon as he entered the house. Just when Cherie was tempted to relax, she turned toward the window again, and she got the scare of a lifetime. A visceral scream tore through her throat, and the shock sent her stumbling backward and falling to the floor. She screamed, sobbed, squirmed away, but she could hardly look away from the window. There in the dark, watching her intently with bloodlust in its eyes, was a diabolical figure. It was a silhouette, barely human, with a wolf's head, shining fangs, and red paint or blood decorating its face like a warrior. 
It was the most terrible thing Cherie had ever seen, and yet, a second later, when her husband reached her side, there was absolutely nothing there on the window. Todd searched everywhere. He was determined to find an explanation. But when he suggested maybe Cherie only saw her reflection, she snapped at him. I know what I saw, she yelled. It looked nothing like her reflection. She was starting to question her sanity. The worst part was finding out that the night was far from over. While Cherie and Todd discussed the events they experienced, their daughters arrived home. Before going to the house, they stopped by the barn to get their beloved dogs. Unfortunately, they would find out some awful news. The first hint was a rotten and metallic smell lingering in the air. But when they saw it, the ground of the barn was covered in blood. The girls gasped and clutched each other. They realised quickly it was a trail of blood, and they couldn't help but follow. They found both their dogs, their friends, their family, completely drenched in blood. They had been fine earlier that night. And there they were, violently torn apart, barely alive. Cherie knew that her family couldn't tolerate much more. Something had to change before it was too late and someone other than the dogs got seriously hurt. She took matters into her own hands and left her house for a quick visit to the local library. Because of the marks they found on the floor of the house and the painted face she saw on the window, she started her research on Native American culture and the history of the area. She found out a lot of information about bloody encounters between Native Americans and settlers. She learned about the Native Americans' tradition of smoking tobacco before going into battle. Suddenly, everything was starting to make sense. The drawings on the floor, the movie on the television, the painted face of a warrior watching her through the window. But that wasn't enough. Next, Cherie remembered her mother-in-law and her strange conversations, so she dared to search for the name of Mr. Warren in relation to Native Americans. The results made her heart skip a beat. It was all too much all at once. She discovered that a man named Mr. Warren owned in the 19th century a supply route that passed right by the place where her family's ranch now stood. Back then, the location was attacked by a tribe, and the altercation ended with seven men dead and mutilated, which immediately made her remember the human bone found in her garden. The woman couldn't stop her research. Her fear and curiosity skyrocketed. She landed on a website about the history of a local tribe. There, Cherie found a picture that put her entire world upside down. Not only did she read about how warriors used to channel different animals, like wolves, when they went to attack, she also saw pictures that were almost identical to the figure that traumatised her a few nights before. The man, the wolf, the warrior. Her greatest fear. 
She couldn't take it anymore. She had to get away from there and back to her family. But that wasn't all. Because, as she drove, Cherie, compelled by motherly instinct, couldn't shake the feeling that something was wrong, that something terrible could happen at any minute. And she had to be there with her daughters. What Cherie didn't know was that her daughters were having an equally eventful night. Bree and Andy were dedicated to their dog's recovery, so they put them safely in the house and worked on taking the dog's agility house from the yard into the truck and then drove the truck to the barn, where they unloaded it. There was only one problem. They weren't alone in that dark and lonely place. Andy stopped her actions and stood very still in the middle of the barn. She couldn't shake the feeling that she was being watched, and it wasn't her sister. There was something or someone else there with them, and it didn't want them there. She tried to calm down, tried to breathe deeply, but nothing worked. Finally, she turned around and she experienced unspeakable fear when she caught sight of the tall and hulking shadow staring at her from across the barn. The girl screamed at the top of her lungs and ran inside the car. Her sister was startled, but when Andy begged her just to drive, just to turn on the car and drive, she complied. It didn't take long for Bree to understand her sister's terror. They weren't even out of the ranch when they looked in the rearview mirror and were met with a hellish image. There was someone chasing them, a dark silhouette wearing a mask and moving at inhumane speeds, was running after their car. The girls screamed. They started crying. They had no idea how to deal with something so terrifying. The sisters drove down the road as fast and as recklessly as the situation demanded, but things would only get worse. It seemed that every other minute a new shadow joined in the chase. Within minutes they had a whole group of malevolent figures following their car. Andy begged her sister to drive faster, to do anything at all, but the worst was still ahead of them. It turned out, at some point, the car's headlight illuminated a brand new silhouette standing in the middle of the road. Bree gave a high-pitched yell and twisted the steering wheel to avoid killing an innocent man. But it was more complicated than that. Her sister swore she hadn't seen anyone on the road. Not a single man had been standing in front of them. To make matters worse, Bree's desperate measures resulted in their car crashing against a nearby tree. No matter what the girls did afterward, they couldn't get the car to start again. It was a nightmare, but they knew they couldn't just sit there and wait for the worst to come. As terrifying as it seemed, they knew their only choice was to start running. It was the most horrible and frightening experience they could imagine. They ran through the woods. They heard wolves howling behind them, and yet they knew the sounds came from the men chasing them. The tree branches scratched them. They tripped on their roots and rock, and they cried the entire time, fearing the worst. They could hear their attackers coming closer and closer, their growls and war cries louder and louder, 
And finally, finally, the girls reached the main road. It looked like they just burst out of nowhere. Cherie was lucky to hit the brakes when she did, or else the worst tragedy imaginable would have fallen on her family. But she was there, finally reunited with her daughters. The night was quiet and still. There was absolutely no sight of the terrifying creatures that chased Brie and Andy through the wilderness. After that night, the Bilstein family was different. They couldn't stand to live on that ranch for one more day. Todd tried to stand his ground and keep the house, but the tension was too great to ignore. He had to do this for his family. The Bilsteins moved out of the ranch in 2006. And, since then, the property has changed ownership at least three more times. Nobody stays for long. Nobody can explain the things that happen there. But if one thing's for sure, is that everyone who dares to get close gets at least a glimpse at a dark shadow on the windows. Or maybe a feral growl coming from the wilderness around the ranch. This story was written by Danny Rahel Nieto and narrated by me, James Deverell. Thank you for watching or listening to this podcast episode on whichever platform you are choosing to do so. Whether it is YouTube, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we truly appreciate your support. Now what would a podcast episode or YouTube video be without a bit of sub-sobbing? So if you can find it in your heart to do so. Please support my content by liking, subscribing, leaving comments and reviews wherever possible. It is super competitive out here and YouTube especially has been suppressing my content like you wouldn't believe. Don't forget to join in the conversation on Twitter or X and check out my other content on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Thanks again for listening.